Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Knights of the Roundtable, a HBCU Pro Sports Media Association presentation. This is the show where we go around the world of HBCU sports to talk about the people, the places, the news, and events surrounding HBCU sports along with the culture surrounding HBCU athletics. My name is A.D. Drew, and I am piloting this ship today. Joining me from up in Virginia, and if y'all have ever gone on YouTube and found an old school game, oh, it, it, it may have been the game from last week. Who knows? I guarantee you, about 70% of the time, this man has put it on YouTube. Alex Hines. Hey, hey, hey. On, how y'all doing? Brother. Great. How you gentlemen doing? Man, I, I, man, we we doing great. Uh good. You know, uh weather stayed away from me, thank God. Uh, I know a lot of people were affected by the weather. We're gonna get it at uh in just a moment. But uh I just want to take a moment why I do have you on this platform to personally thank you for saving me time. So I don't have to go and search all these games. All I get, if Alex don't have it, it ain't out there. This is so true. <laughs> trying to build that library, trying to keep it. There you go. There you go. Also joining me today is Jamie Walker, Coach Work Sports. Uh, Jamie has uh, started a new podcast. Also, I'm gonna let him tell us about that in uh, just a moment. But you know, he is a. Uh, He's the neophyte of the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association. So uh, we got to do some hazing to him. So when this show was over with, I got some equipment bags out back that I might need you to carry, my brother, since you since you're the low man on the total pole. Well, look, I don't mind a little hazing. <laughs> I don't mind, you know, to be part of the group. So I appreciate, number one, the membership because it's a great organization. But number two, hey, you got to pay your dues sometimes. That's just part of the territory. Yeah, you go. There you go, my brother. Hey, uh, quickly tell everybody about the uh, y- your new podcast that you uh you have going on. Well, my new podcast is the AUC Gridiron Rewind, and it's talking about um schools of the AUC that play football: Clark Atlanta Panthers and the Morehouse College Maroon Tigers. And we're talking about um their you know comings and goings and uh, ins and outs, giving you some inside information on what. Uh, those two football teams are doing and uh, analyzing their games, including guests and just everything surrounding AUC football. So be sure to listen in. The first episode dropped um, just really reviewing and going over the expectations of what this year will be. Uh, That dropped today at noon. So, hey, wherever you listen to your podcast, go and subscribe and listen. Okay. Now, I'm I'm be honest with you. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will put that on my menu of podcasts I listen to while I'm in my car. Because I don't know about y'all, I don't listen to commercial radio anymore. I, I go to my Spotify. All right, do I want to hear music or do I want to hear podcasts? And, and and that's how I roll around now. Same thing here. Same th- same here. Yes. Right. Let, let's get into the uh, to the news of the day and the the weekend first before we even get get started. All prayers go out to all those who were affected by uh by by this tragic hurricane. Uh came on shore 
as a category four. It's now down to a tropical storm, which is still nothing to play with. New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Jackson, Mississippi have been affected by this. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, power is out in three states. New Orleans is pitch black. So uh, with, with that being said, uh, and, and also shout out to Carlos Brown, member of HBCU Pro Sports Media Association. Hope you're all right, Carlos. Probably not able to watch this right now, but when you go back, uh, j- just know that uh, I, we did mention that our thoughts and prayers are uh, with you. Uh, but speaking of that, since this is a sports show, fellas, how do you all think this incident of, uh, today and yesterday is going to affect the game's this upcoming weekend. I'll come back. I'll start with you, uh, Jamie, uh, on that. Well, I think any time that you're taken out of your comfort zone, especially when you're talking about football, uh, I know as a coach at one point, you you did not like to be taken out of your routine. Um, Really any player, coach, or whatever, you're a creature of habit. And so when you're interrupted, uh, or those habits are interrupted, um, it always takes the focus off of what, the, the game will be into other things. Um, if you have relatives in the area and, and, and God knows being from Southeastern North Carolina, I, I know about a hurricane all too well being from the Wilmington, um, Fayetteville, North Carolina area. And so uh, I know all too well about what kinds of things happen and what kinds of things you have to think about um, in, during a hurricane. And so um, if you're trying to play ball within that, and, and still trying to maintain focus, um, it does affect you regardless of, you know, of where you are because you never know where players are from. You recruit, you know, the whole nation. And so minds and hearts are, are in those areas. So it does affect you. There'll be some teams that, that, you know, handle the logistic part pretty well, but there'll be some things that you'll have to change and kind of reconfigure your mindset to be on, uh, be on, be concentrating on the game. But, you know, just just prayers, and you know, out to those teams and people affected. Alex, what about you? What, how, how you think this is going to affect teams this weekend and any specific games that you may be thinking this may affect? One, one how does it affect Pakistan? You know, can you practice outdoors or do you have to practice in the gym? And that means you can't hit. You can't tackle. There's only so much you can do in the gym. So, and like Jamie said, you worry about family. You know, is mom okay? Grandma okay? Dad okay? My brothers and sisters okay? And they still got to get their homework in. Are they having classes? Are the schools in the dark? And then if they do play, what conditions are some of the fields are going to be in? Are they going to be soaked? Or are they going to be playable conditions? So those are some of the things you can't look at. Well, I'm really going to be interested to see what happens with the uh, with the Jackson State Florida A and M game this this upcoming week. Okay, because Jackson State is scheduled to leave out on, I believe, on Wednesday to start heading down to Florida. Wednesday or Thursday to head down to Miami. Okay. Yes, they have that new turf field that they have for practice, but I don't care how much turf you have. 
when you got thunder and lightning going on outside, you're not going to be there. Nope. <laughs> so, no. like, like Alex said, get yeah, the gym. Yes, in theory, you could do Zoom meetings, but you're assuming people have electricity and internet in order to do Zoom meetings. So there's a lot that goes that's going to be going into it, and I'm thinking that's uh, going to affect that game. We've also got Southern playing this weekend. So those are two games that i really looking to see how this storm is going to affect them. Okay. Anybody else want to throw anything out before we are the Alabama schools near the water? Say that again. Alabama, like Alabama State, they're hosting miles. Yes. Would that be affected? Well, that would be equally affected because they're both they're they're both in that same path. They're not that far away from each other. So the disadvantage would be the same for those two schools in that instance. Now, Tuskegee, Fort Valley, Tuskegee may be at a slight disadvantage because Tuskegee's right up the road from uh, Montgomery, Alabama, where Alabama State is at. Fort Valley, and I, I don't stay that far from Fort Valley. I stay about an hour and a half from where Fort Valley is at. It's been, mm-hmm. it's been good over here today in my part of Georgia. So if there's any advantage that may have been gained, it may have been gained by Fort Valley in that particular, in that particular matchup. And even within the, the Hall of Fame game um, up in Ohio, you got, you know, Grambling and, and uh, Tennessee State, not mistaken. And so with the storms tracking through that area, even with it being a tropical storm, you know, affecting, you know, practice time, kind of like Alex alluded to earlier, um, there may be some disruption that goes on, although minimal. Again, you're talking about creatures of habit. So, you know, we'll see the best, the, the better team that's able to adjust um, will, will, you know, have a better time and better footing going forward. All right. Moving on to our next uh, story, uh, you know, usually a sad day when HBCU players get traded, but I think in this case, this may be a good thing. First of all, the fact that we've got an HBCU player who's in the league and who a team is willing to trade for. And the Charlotte Panthers have traded a six-round pick to the Buffalo Bills for Daryl Johnson. Daryl Johnson of North Carolina A&T fame. Uh, He was a 2019 seventh-round pick by Buffalo, and he has played in all but one of the team's games over his first two seasons. He has played a reserve role on defense and has been a regular on special teams for for the Bills. So with that being said, fellas, uh, Daryl Johnson coming home. Back to to North Carolina. (laughs) Your thoughts on that? I'll start with you this time, Alex. Um, That trade was interesting because what I read was he was supposed to be in the future for Buffalo, but they traded him because they had such a surplus. And they said it came down to him and another player, and they said that player didn't get traded because he can play multiple positions. Where Daryl was mainly a defensive end, and they only wanted to carry six. They did not want to carry seven ends. 
So he was traded to Carolina, who could use the help. And no pass rush. Their defensive front was kind of at times suspect. So if he goes to Carolina, maybe this is the place where he could go and kickstart his career. And he was good on special teams. And in Carolina, we'll see what happens. Go ahead, uh, Jamie. Yeah, Alex is exactly right, um, especially in that uh, he he had a pretty successful career um, in the Bills or a successful start with the Buffalo Bills. Outstanding player um, at North Carolina A&T uh, coming off the edge. You would just see Daryl all the time um, in that blue depth defense. But, you know, going to Buffalo really was a, a, a major course um, specialist in special teams. Um, also was able to to be a situational pass rusher for them as well. Uh, and it's a matter of relationships when it comes to um, this trade in general. Former GM uh, was, uh, was with the um, Carolina Panthers organization. And so naturally, if you have uh, a first round or early second rounder that you have in Greg Rousseau, who's up um, from Miami playing um, well, he played well in, in uh, preseason who you see is your future and you're not going to carry, but so many players in that position, then why not see what value you can get for a pick? And, you know, they, it's, it's just a matter of choices, regardless of, of what we like from him. But we're happy to see that he is still in the league and having a job. So being yes. means you at least being, you're wanted by someone. And so Correct. coming back home um, to North Carolina where, where, you know, he, he was supported. You, um, I, I, I don't know if it was, uh, Stephen Gaither or another person on Twitter today showed some tape where um, where Dara was, you know, after the Bills game was, you know, celebrated. People recognized who he was, even in his Bills uniform. So him coming back to North Carolina um, will be a good thing for him. I think it should infuse um, some life into him where you're not you're no longer in a crowded um, defensive end room, the outside linebacker room. And maybe you'll get an opportunity to get more playing time here at the Panthers than you did for Buffalo. Yeah, but I just want to see the Panthers get their quarterback situation solid. Sam Donald, we shall see. I'm, go- I'm going to leave it at that. Ho- mm-hmm. Hopefully Sam Donald, uh, since he's gotten out of New York, I have a good career, and maybe uh, Daryl Johnson get an opportunity for a ring in the next couple of years. Do what we going to do right here, fellas, we're going to take, take a break. And, and when we come back from this break, we're going to look backwards at the three games that were played over this past weekend. You're watching Knights of the Roundtable, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association presentation. We'll be right back after these messages. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From a national memorial for peace and justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. 
Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. It's the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBVA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the band as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Knicks Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. Welcome back to Knights of the Round Table. Jamie Walker, Alex Hines joining me today. All right, fellas, we had three games over the weekend. Uh, we're going to start up in Columbus, Columbus Ohio, where, let, let's just say it, Kentucky State dominated Central State. But, fellas, uh, what year is this? 2021. 2021, last time I checked. And... You did not complete a pass in a college football game in 2021. And what has happened to Central State? This Mm. is not your father's Central State team. This is not the Central State of Billy Joe. This is not, as JB said during break, the Central State of Hugh Douglas. I don't know whose Central State it is, but this is not the, the Marauders that everybody has known throughout those years who won all those national championships. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, we're going to let you lead this one off. I'll I tell you what, it, it's, it, it's head scratching, not just because Kentucky state was so one dimensional and still couldn't be stopped, but it's a matter of, not playing in 2020 because of COVID. The Thoroughbreds opened 2021 in the HBCU Classic against their rival Central State up in Columbus. First half, Christopher Conway with a nice run to put the Thoroughbreds inside the 20. Not And just way into shifting philosophy. And so when you're doing those kinds of things, it does take time. Kentucky State would be a good warm-up <laughs> considering the fact that they make no bones about running that option. They say, hey, we're going to do what we, we do until you stop it. Uh, and it is assignment football. It is. That's why. But because teams don't practice against it on a regular basis, it does give teams trouble until they get adjusted to it. Uh, and AD's probably going to make a, a, a point later on that definitely get, gets to something um, when it comes to running the option and stopping it. But along with that, if you know athletes to be able to to stop it 
Kentucky State said, you know, made no bones about it during the SIAC uh, media days, the virtual media days. They said, hey, we do what we do because we have buy-in. It's not necessarily the most sexiest, you know, offensive scheme in the world, but it works for us. And they've been able to, to, you know, be consistent, not necessarily winning championships with it, but they've been consistent in their approach since changing coaches themselves a few years Mm -hmm. ago. And so, you know, Kentucky State's still going to continue doing what they do. Just within this game, you know, when you have a showing up there in Columbus, Ohio, you know, you're right there in Central State's backyard. That just wasn't a good showing at all because it was like, it, it, it was it was slow. It was a slow burn, like you're getting your teeth pulled out one by one with a wrench. Like they're just running this offensive scheme, and you just got to sit there and take it. <laughs> so um, it just wasn't a good look for Central State overall. I, I know some people who would love to have a slow burn on something else. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Alex, go ahead, man. That's almost like I come to your backyard. And beat you up. That's what that was like Saturday. I kept up with the stats and I'm like, hold up, this is 2021. Four passes? Really? You're letting them run this double wing and they're basically telling you, this is what we're going to do. And we're betting our nickels, dimes, and quarters that you can't stop it. And I think they ran for almost. 300 yards, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. 300, I believe it was 324 or three, yes. 323, somewhere up in there. Wow. And it's saying, here we come, because we don't think you can stop us. And if they're going to do this, then what is the rest of the SIAC going to do? Are they going to have the athletes? To stop. You know, I, I am so glad that you mentioned that thing, uh, do they have the athletes? And we were talking about this offline. The problem with that, basically, it's a, it's a double-wing offense. Ran it when I coached Little League. Ran it the first high school team that I coached. Uh, and we talked almost 20 years ago when, I, when we were talking about these uh, these offenses that I, that I was running. No one recruits the athletes to stop that anymore. What why, What do I mean by that? So many teams run the spread, three wide, four wide, five people, five people in the pass route. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you on defense? You need to have smaller, quicker backs, linebackers who can cover in space. Hey. So when you get a team that wants to stay between the tackles, and run down down your throat, mm-hmm. and you only see it once a year. You can't get ready for that in five six days. Now Central State, you had no excuse. You had all summer to get ready for that. Matter of fact, make sure you save the tape because you have them for the last game of the season. For some strange <laughs> reason, they playing each other twice. But that's a, that's, that's a totally different story. You know, no one plays with three linebackers anymore. When last time you see three linebackers except in a third and one or a goal line situation? You hardly do. Does anybody even Barely. know what a Sam, a Will, and a Mike is anymore? <laughs> no. no. 
everybody's running these four two five schemes. So it, it, yeah. exactly, yeah. That and, and and that's my point. That's why Kentucky State can do what they do because nobody had most teams don't have the athletes to be able to do that and have the discipline to stay within the assignments. Because when you're playing the option, you have to take. I don't care where the, where the play is. If you have the quarterback, you got to hit the quarterback. If you've got the pitch man, you have got to take the pitch man. I don't care what the quarterback do. Then whoever got the quarterback deal with the quarterback, you take the pitch man. So that that's the thing. You got to have the discipline uh, when, when you're playing a team like that. You got to hit Moving the quarterback the too, right? game, uh, Go ahead, Alex. And you got to hit the quarterback too, right? Make him think second when he wants to do that again. You know, hey, you got to pitch it. That's how, but but you, but you gotta be careful with that. You know, you can't leave with the leave with the crown of your helmet. I lay with the crown. That's gonna get you. That's gonna get you on the sideline. Just give him a little tap. Let him know that we're here. I got you. Spe- speaking of here, great atmosphere down in Jacksonville, Florida, this uh, past Saturday. Uh, that was a four o'clock kick, I believe. That was down in uh, Jacksonville, Duval, Florida Memorial. Edward Waters. And I was in the house for this game. Shout out. Great being on campus for a game. Loved it. The community loved it. A couple logistical problems they had they iron out as they go on through the season because it's their first time doing it. But hey, just like any other HBCU game, there was more people outside than inside. But that's not a bad thing. When you were at about 85, 90% capacity in the stadium, you can live with you can live with more people outside than inside. But the game, boy, for when the entire game was really sloppy. The action was in the second in the second half of of the game. And the lightning delay at halftime really gave Ever Waters an extra opportunity to, to regroup and to rethink uh what they were going to do. Uh, Florida Memorial came out and scored on their first, they first drive. And you were sitting up here thinking like, this is the NAIA team. This is the Division II team. And defensively, both teams played great. The offenses on both teams were the ones that had the problem with all of the, uh, with all of the turnovers. But we killed Florida Memorial, special teams. Miss PAT, uh, Miss Field Goal, couple shank punts. Then a, they got lucky. They had, and I don't know if y'all saw the game. They had not one, but two consecutive kickoff returns called back. Went up the left side the first time, eighty some odd yards for a touchdown. Flag on the play, penalties offset. Let's re-kick it. He went up the right side the second time. 70 some odd yards for the touchdown. Yes, he ran he ran in a hundred and about 70 yards on two consecutive plays. The monkey jumped on his back at the 30. The gorilla jumped on everybody else's back at the 40. <laughs> That's why he was able to score. <laughs> but uh I've talked enough about the game, and I'll throw in my comments on it. Alex, we're gonna start off with you on this uh, Florida Memorial Everwaters game. I watched. I saw the first half, and 
Edward Waters would get something going, turnover. We're driving again, turnover. We're driving again, fumble. Florida Memorial almost runs it back. So I'm like, shouldn't they at least have a touchdown or two by now? <laughs> and they kept turning the ball over on drives. Every time they got to driving, here's a turnover. Then Florida Memorial gets the ball. They may get a first down, three and out, punt, and Waters gets the ball, drive again, fumble. And I'm surprised that if you turn the ball over five times, you're not supposed to win. And somehow, Edward Waters with five turnovers won the game. So God must have been with them on that one. Well, the block punt with about three minutes to go in the third quarter was the turning point in the game. You know, Florida Memorial was up 13-0, and that gave Edward Waters a breath a breath of fresh air that and the quarterback change they made late in the second quarter going with the uh, freshman quarterback, excuse me for not remembering the, uh, his name, mm-hmm. but those two things. And then the halftime adjustment of realizing we we're throwing the ball like crap. Let, let me just turn the ball to hand it to Hughie and, and, and let him take the ball up the middle, which is what they did uh, rushing for over 200 yards. And most of that was in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead, Jamie. I'm not sure who the color analyst was for that game, um, but he made a very poignant point. Uh, he was ex-quarterback at um, at um, Edward Waters, and he said, you know, the running game is is so important to, to establishing some kind of rhythm. And it wasn't until late in the third quarter where they wanted to establish the run to actually set up the pass. So it was kind of one of those things where it went to what you did strategically from the coaching standpoint to actually get them back in it, along with those mistakes. They had turned the ball over five times. And it, when you're talking about winning any kind of football game, you know, whether it be peewee, high school, college, or pro, you turn the ball over five times, the likelihood of you winning is, is slim to none. Mm-hmm. But Florida Memorial <laughs> didn't do themselves any favors in stretching out the lead. You know, as in going into – almost the fourth quarter before Edward Waters turned it on and actually got a touchdown. You know, it was the craziest thing in the world. It reminded me, and I remember listening to it on the way um, to Carolina. It reminded me, and this will be so harsh for Atlanta Falcons fans. It reminded me of the 28-3 deal. It reminded me so much of that. It did. Because I'm like, okay, you're just going to let this team all of a sudden come back. And so I'm thinking, okay, Florida Memorial, you're going to cruise. You know, there's no offensive continuity at all. There's nothing going on offensively with this squad. Okay, Florida Memorial, you're going to walk away, spoiling the first game at home for Edward Waters. And then all of a sudden, here's this turnover. Then you finally complete a pass. Here are these dynamic routes that that people are all of a sudden running. It was like the lightning delay. (laughs) You know, gave them some life. It infused some stuff um, within it. And and people all of a sudden started becoming strategic with their approaches, both offensively and defensively. They were able to run the football. They had two backs. One was more of the scat back, while the other was more of the power runner. And even early on, there was a couple of games that happened this weekend where the, the established runner 
could have given you or could have set the tone for the rest of the game, but coaches got away from it. And so I think once Edward Waters finally went to it, it opened up everything else. And you got to give kudos to what unit really got them this win. Forget the touchdown at the end of the game. The special teams unit for Edward Waters won them this game. It won it for them. And would have already given them the lead had, you know, the laundry not been on the field. And, you know, it is what it is. But the special teams unit for Edward Waters. If I'm wrong, on that game where the touchdown, they had a a long kickoff return that set up that game where the touchdown would around two minutes ago in the fourth quarter. They sure did. So it's one of those things where, where you know, your core special teams. Now, we always talk about, especially in the beginning, and really it's, it was a theme all weekend in really every level of, of college football. The long layoff, the, the getting used to playing football again, especially teams that didn't play at all, had to get reaccustomed to actually being in live action. And so I think it, the same thing kind of approached this as well. The offenses – for really all squads that I've seen this weekend, um, were slow to catch up with what they do offensively. And the special teams and defenses really dominated. Yeah. Well, Ever Waters, and excuse me, Ever Waters fans to say this, Ever Waters, you look like a team who just hired a coach in May. Wow. What I mean by that, confusion, the schemes weren't, weren't right. You you could tell that Co- Coach Morgan has not had time to really put in what he needed to put in as a coach who was hired in January would have had. If you if you're hired in January, you have your spring practice. Great point to put your, to put your system in. Yeah, you have your summer workouts to put your system in to get your weight training system in. If he was hired in May. You know, most of the assistant coaches didn't start to June. So you really didn't he really hasn't had time to put his system in like he like he wants like he wants it to see. Or the memorial looked like a team who has had a coach who has been there a year. Well, minus the special team. (laughs) Because that's part of memorial defense. I, I can't take anything away from that Florida Memorial defense. Yeah. Offense has some opportunities out on the field, but the defense took advantage of every mistake Edward Waters made. If they didn't score on it, because uh, I believe they had like a, a pick six or a fumble six, if they didn't score, they left the offense in position to score. The offense, Couldn't, no. offense uh, left a couple points out there on the board. Special teams left plenty of points out there on the board, but Florida Memorial's defense look look good. And no disrespect, Ever Waters defense also look good, also. Consider some of the some of the spots that their offense put that defense in to only give up those 20 points. So what we gonna do right here, fellas? We go we it's halftime. We gonna take we gonna take a break. We gonna come back and talk about look, I'm gonna go ahead and get my apology out the way. All the North Carolina Central fans, I'm apologizing to you. I'm apologizing to you for black media. No one gave you a chance. You came, you saw, you kicked that. We're going to go to the break on that, though. (laughs) You're watching Knights of the Roundtable, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association presentation. 
and we will be right back. The inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice, the first class of black fighter pilots who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, join others who champion their legacy and how they influence generations of black cultural and political leaders. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Gurley Traveling Trophy in the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash tickets. Welcome back to Knights of the Roundtable, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association presentation. Need to get some sh- get the shout-outs time. It is time to shout-out... Uh, What's going on to my man, Will, uh, sincere from down at Florida Memorial. Bumped into him at the game, had a good conversation with him outside the stadium there in, in Jacksonville. Chuck Hunt, always checking in on something on Black College Sports Network. He says, what's, what's up, Jamie? And he says, what's up to you, uh, Alex? What up, Chuck? <laughs> Chuck. Chuck. And he, he also agreed with us that uh, – about Central State, this is not the place that coaches Billy Joe and Rick Comagy put on the football back. He added those two names in yeah. to uh, what we were talking about. Will Will says, even though his team lost, it was still a great game down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Reg Walston says, great show. Says, NCCU in the house. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, we owe you one. We owe you one. Uh, matter of fact, now, oh, uh, Edward Boyle says, good evening, Knights. And uh, the 100 Fanatic says, thank you for your uploads, Alex. You got him through the last year. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put it out here before we get into this game. I got, I got, I got, I got a prescription. You need to check your temperature, all corn. 
Seems like y'all allergic to the city of Atlanta. Matter of fact, seems like all of the swag is allergic to Atlanta because every time they go there, be it the celebration bowl, be it the challenge, they lay it in. Oh, no comments? No, I mean, Grambling is the only one that's come out of here lately with the W. Ironically, who did they beat that year? Central. <laughs> Central. Yep. I mean, Southern's got a couple. Uh, Southern's got a couple wins back in the day, but you know, it seems like they they can't go to Atlanta and do anything. Well, I mean, so who wants to lead this off when we discuss this uh, BX Swag Challenge, fellas? Where, Jamie? I said it off. I I, I think when you set it off, my brother. <laughs> you know, first of all, it, it, it's hard for me as an A&T grad to, uh, of course, give Central any credit, but <laughs> I'll do so anyway. Phenomenal job. Uh, I think that coming into this game, nobody, including me, expected North Carolina Central to play as well as they did, uh, especially offensively. I think when you're looking at the way that they had a game plan coming in, uh, Felix Harper and that group from Alcorn, was supposed to be the most phenomenal offense. And in that first drive, it appeared that they would be. Um, but there were a couple of things that I've always kind of observed about them in general and Felix Harper. Uh, phenomenal quarterback. He leads that that all-corn attack, um, you know, to, to a T almost, except for a couple of different areas. Number one, his, his efficiency within – what they want to do schematically. They run the spread, but along with that, there are times, and and this may be as a result of the offensive coordinator as well, they get away from what they're doing well within the offensive drives. And that is they running the ball. Uh, (laughs) You know, and I I forget, I think his last name is Sanders, number 31. Looked like Jamal Lewis out there. He looked like, that's who he reminded me of every time he got the ball. They got away. Another number 31. They got away from running the football and, and just continued to throw. And number two, uh, Felix Harper's ball security when he's running with the ball. Now, because they love to pass the football, I can understand the interceptions to some degree. You're, you take chances. That is what you do. But at the same time, you got to have established ball security when you're running with the football. And I think that cost them a couple of times. North Carolina Central really play their base scheme. They didn't do anything fancy. They were able to get pressure with their front four, was able to get ball carriers on the ground, was able to cover pretty well, um, lots of cover too within that game. But they were able to just let, you know, kind of let the offense do what they do and keep everything in front of them. But along with that, North Carolina Central used their running game to run the clock and to just play, really let their defense rest and play against that all-corn um, attack. They were also letting their quarterback themselves play f- free. He was nervous within the first, I, I guess, not even quarter, really first drive and a half. Mm-hmm. And so when you saw him really settle down and just play within the offense, and said, okay, we're not going to give you anything complex. We're going to run this football with our bevy of backs. It was four, four running backs with significant time, um, including Slayton. Um, and they were able to run the football effectively and throw it timely. 
it was a little bit off in the first half, but when they came back out in the second half and really had a lot of confidence going in, they were able to, to pass the ball around the perimeter. And Alcorn's defense, really their secondary, wasn't able to, to really get in the way of that passing attack at all. I think it was one late interception, but basically it, it turned into the equivalent of a long a punt, basically, and just flipped the field position again. So it didn't affect Central any. But Central's about a 30 or 40-yard play downfield, if I'll be right, yeah. uh, in the fourth quarter. Yes. It, I mean, Central came in with a great game plan and just said, okay, we're not going to do any talking because all the chirping really came from the Alcorn side in that we're still the champs of, of, of the SWAT. It doesn't matter what Alabama A&M did in the spring. We the big dog until somebody takes us down. And they came in this ball game and got thoroughly beat. I know it was 23-14. But if you look at that game in in totality, there wasn't a time where you thought Alcorn was ever in it. In fact, people waiting to say, "Okay, when are they going to turn it on?" So there's my synopsis. Of it. Yeah. Um. One thing I do see in these games, the Miac is better up front than the Swack. So they didn't have to blitz. Every other pass play, Felix was was flushed out the pocket. And Alcorn got away from running the ball. Nico Duffy was averaging four here, eight here, ten here. And then they start throwing the ball. And the analyst said a couple of times, they need to get back to running the football. And they got away from it. And as the game wore on, you can see um, Central's front wearing down Alcorn's front, especially the third, late third and into the fourth quarter. And every time they ran, it was with the intent, we're going to punish you. We're going to try to sustain drives, eat up the clock, and keep your offense off the field. And Alcorn blew it with the turnover and the two missed field goals. And once that Central sustained in the first quarter and got by, you just had that feeling that this might not be Alcorn's night. And you could see it coming. And I don't know what this whack. Their teams are going to have to get better in the trenches. Go watch the A&T games with Alcorn and Grambling. Where were those games won at? In the trenches. And they didn't have to blitz. They didn't have to send seven and eight people. They was, uh, A&T was getting the Alcorn with four people in the celebration bowl. What was Central doing to Alcorn in this game? Getting to their quarterback with four people. And they dropped back and they mixed coverages. Now, Alex, you mentioned something. You mentioned the the missed field goals and PATs, which brings me to the theme of the weekend, special teams. Mm-hmm. The kickoff, excuse me, the punt return yeah. was the turning point okay. in the game because not only did it put Central up two scores, now – for Felix Harper, who's struggling to throw the ball, yeah. he has no choice 
but to drop back and throw the ball. Phoenix Harper is dangerous when he ha- when he can do both. I can take off take off and run the ball for seven eight yards. Take what I yeah. get, slide, live for another down. But when he has to stay in that pocket and try to find someone downfield, Phoenix Harper is not at his best. He struggled. Throw in the fact that I believe there were four linemen who wound up going down in that game for Alcorn. If that's ever a time that you stick with something basic and run the ball, it's when you're in your second unit on your offensive line. Yeah. Just my personal opinion. Alcorn has made, you know, maybe Alcorn read too much of their own press, press clippings on Google. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, I don't know what it is, but so, something has got to happen and it's almost sad and disheartening that the SWAT cannot beat teams outside of their conference. You're reminding me almost that, and, and, and as much as I, I'm not going to go get that down on the SWAT because I think culturally, it happens this way. Remember, we just we just got finished talking about the option, for example. And I think this kind of affects um, the culture of both of those conferences, the MEAC and the SWAC. Whenever there was a change when, when you know, Bethune and, and uh, FAMU actually switched to the SWAC, there was a lot of talk about culture in general. I think they were talking about culture within – um, the schools, the atmosphere, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. also the football culture is different as well. And not saying that SWAT teams aren't physical, but it's almost the comparison of Big Ten teams versus maybe Pac-10. SEC teams and saying that the Northeastern teams of HBCUs in particular run a different style of ball. Now, you know why? But you know why, Jamie? Oh, of course. Weather. Yes, absolutely. Weather. Absolutely. You can't throw the ball 70 times a game when you're playing in D.C. or Virginia. Mm-hmm. You can when you're playing in Texas and Florida. And and the thing is, it's almost ironic that the basketball conference, i.e. the BAC, is dominating the football conference, i.e., the swag in football. Looks like it's been a cultural shift. It's like the Seattle A was basketball. SAC was football. Now the Seattle A has become basketball, football. That's the same thing to me, act. Like you said, we're supposed to be the basketball conference. And we're beating up on the supposed to be football conference. So what's that then now? 12 out of 16 in the MEAC SWAT challenge. So now what is what is the SWAC to do? And like you said, we're on Facebook all summer. We're going to beat them by 20. <laughs> the MEAC is weak. They're done. They're finished. 
and then after Central won, Buddy Pugh put out a statement today saying, well, I guess we're still alive. I'm going to need him to hold up, though, because uh, Alabama – Because he got A&M. A &M. <laughs> you got a so I don't know why, but – A&M did get uh, South Carolina State uh, back, back in the spring. But we'll see in a couple of weeks uh, what the comeback is. Hey, fellas. What we gonna do now? Speaking of uh, next couple of weeks, we we're not gonna look at the next couple of weeks, but we are gonna look at this week. We are gonna forecast the games for this upcoming week as as we go to break. You're watching Knights of the Roundtable, HBCU Pro Sports Media Association presentation. We'll be right back. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. You got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. you got it. Alabama State to to face Howard. It'll be interesting to see how the fan mix works. You know, how Howard's fan base uh, responds, because has Howard been in a swack meag challenge? So I thought it was initially kind of good to introduce the Northeast part of the, the meag to the swack. Yeah, I, Howard claims to have a homecoming. They claim to have kind of a tailgate. I want to see what that looked like. <laughs> I just want to say I haven't seen much of a Howard. I've been to a Howard homecoming. I've been to Howard tailgate. I'm sorry, Howard fans. Let me let me repeat. It's nothing to brag on. <laughs> it is it is a one day aspire or BET video. That is it. So good. <laughs> but good for you. But I, I think that event. You need to bring a little bit more to the fire. So, man, all them Howard fans out there—they <laughs> got—they got beat up when they dealing with the HU. Mike was like, "Not so fast <laughs> with the homecoming." Hey, all that swack arrogance just came out in that one statement. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Doctor Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Course lecture dismissed. It's like a loot machine. Fourth quarter here on Knights of the Round Table. Alex, Stephen J. Gaither says, Preach to us, my brother. Talk to us. You know, it's good that we've got this balance. We got somebody from CIAA and BAC country to balance out uh, <laughs> the, the, these uh, SIAC and SWAC people that, uh, that that we tend to be. J Jamie, what you claiming now? Because, you know, y'all, your, See, your school you is Big South. So what are you claiming? I knew it was coming, man. I, it was coming. <laughs> I, I, I claim HBCU football. That's, that's <laughs> it. There you go. I have no allegiance. <laughs> have no allegiance. <laughs> Except A&T State. <laughs> we're not going to say, we got to call that a cop-out. We're going to call that a swap move. 
There it is. <laughs> All right, Jamie, uh, we're going we gonna to start with you. Uh, you've had a chance to look at the schedule. Get, give me a matchup Thursday, a matchup Saturday, and a matchup Sunday that you're looking forward to. Oh, wow. Um, Thursday um, game between Shaw and Wingate. Looking forward to that. I got a couple of different reasons, personal reasons for that. Okay. Um, a couple of guys I used to coach are on both um, on one on one squad, one on the other. Um, Romario Johnson from Wingate, um, defensive back, uh, used to coach him along with Donald um, Don Johnson on uh, Shaw's team as well, mm-hmm. who's a uh, backup quarterback. But I'm just looking forward to seeing what Shaw is able to do um, because they're one of the dark horse picks to win that division. Yeah. Uh, I, I think seeing where they've been and, and, and really them growing uh, as a program uh, from the doldrums up to where they are now and continuing to just have that program flourish. Um, it's time for them to take that next progression, you know, Fayetteville state and, and Bowie's been there. And so, you know, it may be time for another, you know, team to emerge. So I'm looking forward to seeing that on Thursday on Saturday. Um, looking forward to seeing, and I'll actually be there, knock, knock, um, between Clark Atlanta and Livingstone. Livingstone, you know, with the new digs, you know, I'm not sure if they're there yet. I didn't, you know, get the word from the SID, but um, they're coming in with, with, with a lot of enthusiasm uh, as well. Clark Atlanta really hasn't answered a lot of questions. Once they changed coaching staffs, it was kind of one of those things where, okay, you played one season, you went 0-10, you played in some close, um, close games, but you really haven't established an identity. So I'm curious to see how, um, because they dropped, you know, the last time they played Livingstone, Livingstone beat them. And so I'm curious to see where that game goes. And then, of course, you're, some most people are going to take the um, Orange Blossom. Uh, I will actually talk about this Red Tails because I want to see the pageantry of that game. What I hope is a phenomenal matchup as well because you're coming in with, with two teams – Tuskegee, after being the king for so long, um, has some questions over the last few years about where they are as a program. And can Coach Slater um, go into um, this campaign really trying to reestablish the dominance that he had in the SIAC at one point? So can they get back to being a perennial winner? Um, So those are three games I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to. Alex, what about you? Give me, give me a Thursday game, a Saturday game, and a Sunday game. He took my Thursday game, Shaw. Um, some people have Shaw challenging Fayetteville State, saying that this could be the year that they are dethroned as the West champ. They said, let's see if we can send someone else to beat Bowie. Because Bowie has, for what, the last three years beaten Fayetteville, even though the last game was close. Um, Bowie didn't dominate Saturday statement game. I'm actually looking forward to Bowie State and Delaware State. The MEAC's reputation is on the line. Delaware State has to win that game. They cannot let Bowie State, the Division II school, come in and beat them in Dover, Delaware. This. Despite the fact that they are number one in the HBCU Pro Sports Media's mid-major poll? Yes. They, they got to win it. 
despite it. <laughs> yes. They got to win that game. And Sunday, I'm going to look forward to Grambling and Tennessee State. I want to see what Tennessee do with Eddie George. What type of offense with Hugh Jackson? They needed a change. I don't think that Rod Reed was getting it done anymore. And for Grambling, this, I'm hoping that this is not put up or shut up for Roderick Fobbs. Great man, great person. But you've been hearing some rumblings that um, and if he don't get something done, is the U-Haul truck will be backed up to his um, house. So, um, and who's going to be the quarterback that Elijah Walker win that job? And can their offense catch up with their defense defensively? Even in the spring for a couple of games, Grambling was actually pretty good. But it was offensively that they had some questions. So those are three games I'm looking forward to. Hey, uh, before before I give give my games, uh, Stephen J. Gaith, if you're still out there, hey, we got a seat for you on next week's show. If you if you ever want to come take it, bro, any Monday <laughs> that you want to come on, uh, Stephen, you're a member of this association too. So we need to hear we need your opinion also. <laughs> now, for the games that I'm looking forward to, let's start off with Thursday. And since both of y'all gave the uh, Shaw Wingate game. I figure I could sneak an extra game in now since we didn't talk about three separate games on uh, Thursday. So my runner-up game is actually Lincoln of Missouri at Washburn. Hosea, Hosea Franklin, who was missed to everything for the Blue Tigers and Lincoln of Missouri, over yeah. 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, you know, want to see if they got him some help. Let's see if they got him some help because we know what he could do by himself. Let's see if they got him some help there. In uh, in Jefferson City, Missouri, they're at home versus mm-hmm. Washburn Thursday. That's a uh, seven p.m. Eastern uh, time kickoff. Uh, but the game that I want to see is Albany State traveling to Mississippi College. Kickoff is at the same time. Albany State, depending on who you talk to, pick to win the SIAC East. If not win the East to challenge Savannah State, they are the defending SIAC champion. Once again, one of those conferences that does not do good when they go out of conference in their own uh, division is the SIAC. So in order to get that conference rating up, Albany State has to not only compete, but a win would be nice, but they have to compete. They cannot go down to Mississippi College and lose by three touchdowns or more if they want the conference to, to look good. So that's my, those are my Thursday games that I am look, looking forward to. Saturday, let's see how good the BAC is when the team who's predicted to win the BAC, South Carolina State, travels to Huntsville, Alabama to play the defending national champion and the team that most people have picked to win the SWAC again. Alabama A and M. Mm. That's a seven p.m. kickoff in Huntsville, Alabama. So let's see how good the BAC is. Can the BAC get that win? Because you know they may need that win to save face if Bowie beats Delaware State. They're gonna need that win to <laughs> save face in Black College football, right there. 
because that those are the those are the only two HBCU on HBCU matchups that the BAC has on on this Saturday. So Alex took one, I took the other, and on Sunday, it's got to be the Orange Blossom Classic. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, I'm a fan of you alone, but all the hype that's around Coach Willie Simmons. And Coach Prime Deion Sanders. All the hype that's going into this game, everybody is going to be. If you're not watching your team play on Saturday, you're watching this game if you're an HBCU fan. Mm-hmm. The only reason you don't watch this game is like I have to break away from the game in the second half to, to watch to get ready for the uh Tuskegee Fort Valley game. That's the only reason I won't finish that game. But Everybody wants to see this game, and this game has serious playoff implications. The loser out the gate is behind in the East standings. The East, five of the six, any one of the any five of those six teams can possibly win in the East. So you do not want to start off one game in the hole all right fellas uh parting shots uh uh who we start off with last time jamie so alex it's, it's up to you give, give your parting shot give your plug yes um it's here football season is here if you can't get excited something's wrong um if you want to go on my youtube channel my youtube Twitter, Facebook, they're all Alex Hodge presents HBCU Sports. And I also have a website called hbcusports.net where I cover everything from football, volleyball, women's sports, everything. So if you want to know what's going on, that's where I am. Also, I'm in working of getting a show started. Well, we're going to just interview some CIAA legends and current people in the Richmond, Virginia area. And we're going to be possibly doing a NFL segment. And I have two former football players that will be the guys that will break down the synopsis. So that's it. And if I can do one other game, Alabama State has to hold it down against Miles College. They cannot let Miles College beat them or they can't squeak by. Swipe reputation on the line. They got to win this game by 10 points or more. That's it. Oh, if Miles beats them. You, see, you saw how you stuck in that extra game, too. Oh, huh? yeah. You, yes. saw, you, saw, you saw that, Jamie, right? I did. Yeah. All right, Al. But, but before I let you go, Alex, all I'm going to say on that game is Coach Reginald Ruffin is doing an on-the-job interview in that game. Uh, Coach uh, yeah. Ely, no disrespect. If, 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 he, if he loses that game, he loses to Magic City, and he loses to Tuskegee, he will not be the coach at Alabama State. <laughs> He'll have you home. Your party shot, Jamie. <laughs> well, um, just, again, prayers and thoughts to everyone in the Gulf Coast area. Um Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana especially. Don't forget about those little 
towns outside of New Orleans and outside those metropolitan areas who also need help um, as well because they're often um, forgotten about. Uh, and, and somebody made me aware of that today. So definitely my thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, I, I'm singing the praises of Alex as well. Football is back. I'm loving it. Uh, you can find me, AUC Gridiron Rewind, every Monday um, at noon. Uh, you can listen in on your favorite podcast medium. Um, you'll also hear me on a few different um, places doing play-by-play or color um, for a few different games this year. So you'll hear my voice uh, on your favorite network. Hopefully it's uh, Black College Sports Network, um, of course. But you'll you'll um, hear me on a few different mediums as well, including my own, um, HBCU Gridiron Live. So Definitely catch up with me. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Coach Work Sports. Appreciate you there. Appreciate you there, Jamie. And, uh, you know, as, as we go into week one of HBCU football, got to say it. Got to say it. Please, let's not get stupid now. <laughs> Wear your mask. Get your shot. Yeah, we know we're going to want to dap everybody up, hug, you know, do, do what we do. Do the black folk greeting, as I like to say. <laughs> but we, can't, we still can't do that, folk. We still Ooh. can't do that. This COVID thing is real. It's affected a couple, pe- couple of us here at the uh, Black, College, uh, black College Sports Network. I myself have just got over it. I was lucky. I had the shot. I did not get it. I did not get any real terrible symptoms. One member of the Black College Sports Network was hospitalized. He's he's recovered now. I've got a niece. Just went to the hospital yesterday from COVID. Got another partner. Don't know if he gonna have to go because he, he was like, how, how was you feeling after day three or day four? I was like, bro, I, this is how I was feeling. He's like, well, I don't feel that good. So this COVID thing is real. Let's not get stupid yet. We will have time to get back. Sooner or later, we're going to get back to normal. But get your vaccine. Still wear your mask. Wash your hands. You know, do 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 what you got to do to protect yourself. You know, uh, I want to echo Jamie. Prayers, thoughts. Yes. Go to all those in uh, in the affected areas. You know, normally this is a time when I say, hey, give us some money here at the Black Counter Sports Network, HBCU Pro Sports Media, or whatever to support our podcast. We still want you to like, share, and subscribe. Yeah. But instead of sending us a donation, send that donation down to those people down there in those affected areas today. Send that $5, send that cup of coffee down to those people in Louisiana uh Mississippi, Alabama, send it to them. Send it to, send it to help those people out. E- even if it's nothing but calling somebody who you know down there, shoot them a text. Just check it on you. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Cash out from something. Do what you gotta do. Support those people down there in those affected areas. Cause while some of us will be at football games on Saturday, there will be others of us who still won't have lights on. Mm-hmm. My name is AD Drew, Black College Sports Network. BCS is Sports Wrap. Catch me and my partner Brian Fulford on every Sunday night right here on the Black College Sports Network. 
And we run a midweek show on Thursday where we break down the games for the, for the upcoming weekend. And just tune into the Black College Sports Network because we are the home for HBCU sports. And so for my for my friend Jamie Walker, say goodbye to the people. Goodbye, people. Alex Hines. Goodbye, and God bless each and every one of you. My name is A.D. Drew. Peace out. I holla.